Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. This is Kenton Gear speaking. My podcast is going to be a lot of things, but one thing it will not be is consistent. <laughs> Unless it is consistently inconsistent, much like the ocean. You are not going to find my podcast on a regular day or date. I'm going to pod. I'm going to post it when I feel like posting it. I'm going to post it when I come in off a fishing trip or when something happens ashore. Uh, Sometimes we're going to have guests, sometimes we're not. Uh, This quick first little episode uh, really just pertains to what's happening in my life right now. Uh, I I would say that uh, I'm kind of in a stalling period, if you will. uh, My vessel, the vicious cycle, which if you decide to follow me, you will learn is a big part of my life. Um, uh, Broke down this week on the... uh, way to Oahu, Um, a normal commute for me, my normal work week, if there is such thing as a normal work week for a fisherman, um, I typically uh, leave Kona, Hawaii, which is where my home is, Uh, we take the 18 to 20 hour ride to Oahu and uh, come to Honolulu Harbor, we get ice, bait and fuel, and uh, anything else we may need for our trip, our average trip is five to seven days. Then we fish um, primarily an area known as the Cross Sea Mount, although we do fish uh, other sea mountains and weather buoys, uh, fishing, weather dependent, and uh, time of year dependent. Um, but our typical, our typical uh, trip is uh, five to seven days total, including leaving Kona, going to Honolulu. Uh, it takes us about one day from Honolulu to the fishing grounds. And then uh, we will fish uh, anywhere from a very fast trip, would be one day, uh, a one day fill up. And uh, that is something that typically happens, I would say, two to three times a year. We haven't had a one day fill up yet this year. And also, that number has gotten skewed a little bit. As we've gotten into bigger boats, uh, one day fill up is a little bit harder um, as your fish holds get bigger. So, uh, typically, we fish around the area of three to four days. Um, part of that's for what we need for a minimum. Uh, to make a living to, to cover our overhead. And part of that has to do with the shelf life of the fish we target. Um, we primarily target uh, Big Eye Tuna, uh, also trade name Ahi. What a lot of people don't realize when they see Ahi is that Ahi really is a reference to any species of tuna as far as Big Eye, Yellowfin. Um, once in a while, you even see someone say like, Ahi Tombo, which is albacore tuna, for, for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, the trade names or the Hawaiian names. Um, Tombo actually comes from Japan, though, uh, because uh, early on, Hawaii had a very big influence uh, in its commercial fisheries. Uh, Hawaiians certainly knew how to fish far before... Uh, any outside influence. However, um, the scaled-up model that uh, we fish today, a lot of that knowledge was actually brought um, from Okinawan fishermen that uh, were brought in on a on a project on a pilot project many years ago. And so today in Hawaii, we use a lot of Japanese-related terms, and it becomes it comes from the early days of uh, of these fishermen coming and helping to influence. Um, our fishing techniques and uh, and tactics. 
so that's why you'll see a lot of different names uh, for multiple fish, um, not only in the trades, but also just in Hawaii in general. So that's a side note, but I, you will probably find that I will go on several of those kind of little rants once in a while. Uh, also, ahi, which basically translates to smoke, um, comes from the Hawaiians originally. And a summed up version of basically what would happen with that is that the, uh, the Hawaiian fishermen had these woven hand lines they would fish with. And they had a post uh, for which was considered basically like their drag system, like you'd have on a reel. It'd be, they would have a wrap on this post on the front of their canoe. And when the ahi bit, the line would go flying around this post. And they would regulate the tension with that post by holding back against the line. Ahis ran so fast that the hand line would actually smoke. So hence the term ahi. Because of the, the way that the fish initially ran, they could generally tell it was an ahi by how fast the line literally went smoking out. So fun little fact there. Um, fun little fact about ahi. You see ahi today, that term ahi, wildly uh, abused as a trade name throughout the mainland U.S. Um, you'll see ahi tuna um, reference to basically any tuna fish that someone thinks they can upgrade uh, its market value, um, you know, anywhere, whether it's coming out of the Gulf, whether it's coming out of Micronesia or Indonesia, which is another topic for another show totally, but uh, the Hawaiian, uh, the Hawaiian names for these fish, uh, have been marketed, uh, throughout, uh, the mainland U.S., regardless of the actual, uh, origin of the fish. So anyways, long story short, well, that's a long story, short story long, depending on how you look at it. But anyways, for my first podcast, I just wanted to touch base and, uh, kind of let you guys know what's going on in my life. Um, we, uh, we broke down on our way over and, uh, we are waiting on a new transmission currently. Um, our transmission left, uh, Florida two days ago and, uh, I've been receiving a lot of messages on social media for those people that follow me on, uh, vicious cycle fishing, uh, on Instagram, a lot of people sending condolences and things along those lines. But I have to say, I really do appreciate those those kind words, but uh, I've been a fisherman my whole life, and um, that is just an accepted risk in our business. Uh, I am not bummed out at all. It uh, These things happen, and the longer that you are in the business, you learn to prepare for these things. So, you know, I operate a vessel that only has a single engine. So, in the back of my mind, I know that I always have to be prepared for a breakdown. And uh, I'm very fortunate that from doing this over so many years that I'm able to, I have the funds set aside for a emergency just like this. And so rather than this being a uh, absolutely um, terrible um, crisis, very fortunate that I was able to have a new transmission um, searched for and uh, found before I even got in from my toe. It was in route. Um, very lucky that I work with some great people. Uh, Curry Marine, um, for anyone that's 
in our industry is a great company to know. They have really good prices. And this isn't a plug. This is not, I'm not getting any advertising. I can just tell you from doing what I've done for years that if I was in the market for a set of engines, uh, that is definitely who I'd be talking to, um, particularly if you're out here in Hawaii. Um, you know, they are located um, in the Pacific Northwest. And if you're in Hawaii, it will just save you thousands and thousands of dollars buying an engine directly from them uh, versus having to purchase one locally. Um, I've been very fortunate over the years uh, to have dealt with them. I think at this point I have purchased, uh, uh, including generators, I think I've purchased six engines from them. And I have to say all my dealings have been just absolutely wonderful all around. So definitely a big shout out to Curry Marine. Um, Anyone's in the market for an engine, I highly recommend them. Or any major part, like in this case, uh, they sorted a, my transmission, my ZF transmission, very quickly. And uh, they beat all the other quotes, uh, you know, within, well, thousands of dollars. Wasn't even, wasn't even close. So uh, they pretty much have always uh, outdone all the competition. And so here's a shameless free plug for them because I've just been really impressed with them over the years. Um, but anyways, you know, the thing about owning a boat that a lot of people don't realize when they buy a boat is that a boat, in fact, actually owns you. You will start to find that the more time that you get involved in a boat, the more time you actually have for less things. Regardless if you felt that that boat was going to uh, open up more free time and more time to enjoy yourself, you will find that a boat is more temperamental than even the highest maintenance woman that you will ever encounter, no matter what that boat is. A boat is just a thing that requires as much love as you can possibly give it to effectively operate. So anyways, I just want to want to just touch base starting off uh, when you guys are joining me here for the first time I am actually broken down um, hopefully I will have the boat back together here within a, uh, a few days with a new transmission but uh, rather than joining me after a, uh, a great trip or a big catch I thought it'd be more real to enter the life of a fisherman uh, during a down, during a down moment because you know the life of fishing has a lot of down moments. Uh, you know, there are a lot of periods that people just don't see. Um, big loads of fish at the dock are a false narrative for the life that is a fisherman. People see a charter boat unloading a giant fish and they just see the best moment. They see a commercial fishing boat unloading tons of tuna and they see a falsity that what a fisherman does is easy. And so I think it's really important as we dig into the commercial fishing life, this fishing life in general, uh, sport fishing life, even just your hardcore fishermen. I'm not talking about your hobbyists because anyone who has fished on every any level knows that once you get to a certain point with a rod in your hand, it's not just a hobby anymore. It's not just a sport. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. It becomes a passion. It becomes all that you are. And so I feel that it's only right. If we talk about fishing, instead of just talking about all the highs all the time, 
it's important to mention the lows because it's not that every fisherman doesn't get in these lows and doesn't hit bottom or doesn't their life doesn't capsize figuratively and li- literally. Uh, something we will definitely get into as we get deeper into this podcast. I myself have lost a boat, and it definitely turned my life upside down. And so I think it's important to really to, to let other fishermen and future fishermen know that it, it's not that the fishermen before you and around you aren't getting themselves in those dark places, and it's not that they haven't bottomed out. It's just that they've climbed out of it. It's not that you're not going to be in dark holes. All of us get in dark holes in our business, just in life in general. It's not whether you get in those dark holes. It's really how you climb out of them that matters. It's really how we navigate. It's really how we navigate our way out of those situations that counts. It's less so the accident that got us there or the mistake we made to get us there or maybe just the life that got us there. You know, very rarely do the circumstances actually define who a person is. How you handle the circumstances around that particular incident is really what defines you. And so here I find myself staring out at the sea with a broken down boat and no part of me is upset. I understand that. I've been doing it long enough. When I was younger, I would be broken, not just broken down. And I think that's one thing you'll discover as you get older and really a super important part of being a fisherman is to make sure that you know the difference between being broken down and being broken. Because we all break down. It's just how we keep moving from that moment that really matters. So uh, as we go forward, I'm going to be interviewing friends, you know, colleagues, sport fishermen, guys I've fished with around the world, guys I wish I fished with around the world. Um, I'm going to be fishing. I'm going to be talking with people that... uh, that fish in the smallest creeks, that go to the most remote places. Um, But not just that. I'm not going to talk to just fishermen advocates. I'm going to be talking to people that are anti-fishing. I'm going to be talking to environmentalists, extremists, um, and really giving them an honest place to speak their mind, you know, And, 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 and give them a fair shot to turn me or to see if there's a balance between the two of us. Um, You know, this is a place where I want to talk about political uh, fishing issues that often get swept under the rug. They They don't make mainstream media. They're not exciting enough or they're just too, um, they're too buried under all the other noise. And uh, one thing we're definitely going to be talking about, and you'll see a lot of in a big part of this, is going to be about traceability, about knowing what's on your plate, where that fish came from. You know, there's an old saying about when you're buying a fish, you're not buying a fish, you're, you're buying a man's life. And that's so true. Like, it's so true, but how many people, when they're at a restaurant, how many people truly think about the process in which that meal got to them. How connected are we really to our food source, particularly fish, one of the truly last wild resources that we harvest? These are all the kind of things we're going to be talking about. In fact, this is an open invite uh, on this first quick little uh, episode here. 
if you want to talk fishing, if you think you have a valid point about sustainability or that fishing's not sustainable, I would like to have that conversation with you. Um, if you have an argument that we shouldn't be eating fish at all, I'd like to have that conversation with you as well. But until those people come forward, mostly we will be talking about people that love and enjoy fishing like myself because those are the people I surround myself with. So I look forward to really having a very open and raw uh, look into my life. Uh, it's my intention to have a very unpolished podcast because I want it to be instant. Uh, if it's on the boat, it's on the boat. Um, if it's on the road, it's on the road. But uh, <clears throat> this isn't going to be a, a very polished uh, studio-type podcast. It's going to be live, it's going to be real, and it's going to be spontaneous at times and uh, calculated when it needs to be. So um, I truly appreciate your time. I hope that uh, you'll want to listen. And uh, hopefully, when everything's said and done, um, we can leave something of value from this podcast uh, for not only ourselves, but uh, also for our future, future fishing generation. Uh, I'd like to think that this is going to be a very open and honest place for all fishermen and uh, all thoughts and concepts fishing. I, uh, I started this podcast uh, because, honestly, I'm just not hearing the romantic side of uh, fishing that I so passionately uh, admire, love, and live and uh, since COVID, it has been uh, a very different world for fishermen, as for everybody. How much we're getting to fish, how much we're getting to travel, the things we're getting to see, the things we aren't getting to see. And uh, perhaps the hardest thing during this time frame for me, aside from not being able to travel in a suppressed market for our fish, I've lost a lot of friends that... Uh, just haven't got to get to say goodbye or never got the recognition I felt they deserved. Now, not all from COVID. Some are from the darker places that fishermen traverse, you know. I've had a couple overdoses, which is sadly much more common in fishing than, uh, than you'd like to admit uh, throughout the fisheries around the world. And that's something we will definitely, we will definitely dig into. Um, it's not the proudest part about being a fisherman, but I don't think uh, people would deny it is in the culture. I would think that no fisherman defines a fisherman as an addict, but we, I think you will not find anyone that's truly a fisherman that will deny that it's in our culture. And maybe we can dig into why that is so prevalent in a career uh, such as ours. Is that because... We are some of the last pirates and cowboys. You know, is it because we work in a place where there still are no traffic signs? And although we've been handed heavier and heavier regulations as the years go by, compared to land, we still have a lot of freedoms that most people just don't get to experience. You know, these are, these are all great questions and ones I want to dig into. Um, there are so many, many great fishing stories that are just untold. There are so many amazing fishermen 
where their stories are being lost. And so this is going to be a home. If you, this is going to be a home for those types of stories as well. This is going to be a place, this will be a living memorial for some of those people that may have never received the publication or the glory that they deserved. You know, often in sport fishing and, and, and different businesses, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with who you know versus necessarily what you know um, as far as getting publicity and being showcased. And for me, a lot of the most beautiful people in this business, almost no one listening probably knows them. Some of you would, some of our hardcore people. But those are some of the people that I'm really going to shine a light on. Those are going to be some people that, no, they probably will never, never have covered, you know, they've never been on the cover of Marlin Magazine or Sport Fishing Journal or any of those things. But, man, they sure achieved a lot of things, and sometimes they're just being forgotten. Some of them we will talk about. Um, you will know, and you will have heard of um, and those people deserve their recognition as well because they put in their time and they've earned it. So this place, I guess, is what I'm really saying is open for all fishermen. Uh, feel free. Contact me. DM me on, uh, on Instagram. <clears throat> if you're interested in being on this podcast, you have a podcast uh, subject you'd like me to address. Uh, anything fishing related you want me to take on, I'm going to bite it off within reason. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope that uh, I have sold myself as a worthy listen. And if not, sorry I wasted your time. Aloha. <laughs>